Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. I'm Mac McDonald with Ralph Sampson. And I don't know, Ralph, if you realize that the two teams you played on, two of the teams you played on at the University of Virginia, the 81 team, the 82 team, you guys played on back-to-back Super Bowl weekends. And if I remember right, you had a couple of pretty darn good games against those teams. You, you, it's Super Bowl 55, so that's like a long time ago, 15 or 16. It seems that. to be so long. But I do always remember Super Bowl weekend in college playing against Ohio State one year and Louisville the next. Yeah. Uh, especially the Ohio State game when uh, Dr. Geek and C- Sue Halstead, mm-hmm. in the first part of the game, I twisted my ankle really, really bad in Ohio State. Jeff Jones threw a lob pass. I went and got in Duncan. I came down twisted my left ankle. I remember it like it was yesterday. They take me in the locker room in University Hall. And, you know, if you everybody out there knows Dr. Joe Geek, He's not going to tape your ankle with a lot of tape. He didn't believe in a lot of tape. He didn't believe in pre-wrap and all that kind of stuff. And I said, okay. So Sue Halstead takes me back and said, I'll tape your ankle. So about maybe five rolls of tape, whatever it was, she taped like a cast. I come out and play. I get 42 points. We win the game. Mm. Now, understandably, the next couple of days, I was on crutches and had a swollen ankle, but I ended up having great training staff that we know UVA has to come back and play the next game. So that's a, a good memory for me because we won a game. Yeah, There's some Sports Illustrated action. And then the next year to play Louisville and my friend Rodney McCray that got drafted number three after I was number one in the NBA in 1983, we would go in the locker room and reminisce every Super Bowl that we, we played for five years and say, remember when we played, but he always say, well, we know you guys beat us because we beat them twice in my career. They never beat us. And we, I talked to him about that as well. He said, well, if y'all beat us, we know we were going to the Final Four because one year they did. <laughs> one year they did. So we had a good time. But Super Bowl weekend is very special to me as well, especially now in Charlottesville hanging out and understanding what the magnitude of those games were. It was fun. Yeah, January 25th, 1981 was the Iowa State game. And uh, and then Raiders-Eagles, and I was happy the Raiders uh, beat the Eagles 27-10. And the next year was the only time, the only game I've never seen. That was the Joe Montana Drive uh, yep. in 1982, January 24th. The 49ers beat the Bengals and Super Bowl 16. The Louisville game, Virginia's up three and uh, led by three and a half, ended up winning by 18. And uh, Ralph posted a simple little double-double, which was common <laughs> in your career, 26-10. and 10. And uh, we jumped on the plane, you know, it was one of those that it led into the Super Bowl and programming and we were on the plane and yeah, missed the, missed the game coming back. But Mike, you, I tell people all the time, so Ohio State, you got to remember there was Clark Kello, NBA right. player, right? Grand Real Waiters, NBA player, I played with him as well in Houston. Herb Williams played in the NBA with the Nixon crew and they had two other guys that got drafted and played in the NBA as well. So they had four or five guys that played in the NBA. Louisville had Ryan McCray. Mm-hmm. Scooter McCray, Jerry Eves, Daryl Griffin one year as well to play. So they had four or five NBA guys as well. We beat them all. So I got bragging rights. I got bragging rights from the college days 
and then uh, we'll get some of those guys on this on this show sooner or later. But it was fun. It was a fun ride. One of the uh, I, and I remember I with a lot of friends uh, in Charlottesville, and a couple of them worked at the mall and. Ohio State the night before the game was Saturday night and they go to the mall for dinner. Uh yes. Action Square there in Charlottesville and they go to the mall for dinner and uh and I get a call from my buddy and he goes, They're they're big. He goes, There's no way Virginia beats Ohio State tomorrow. He goes, they were just just the way they looked. He said the swagger with Herb Williams and company. He said the swagger was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, Grammar Raiders seven foot tall, seven one. Herb Williams six right. eleven, seven foot tall. Clark Kellogg was the one of the best players in high school and college basketball. He ended up hurting his knees a little bit, and that's what stopped his career. But you had three guys that were number one picks and first round picks in the NBA. Yeah, good stuff. Well, we got a great guest today. Uh, Mo Williams is going to be with us, former running back with the Vikings. He played one year with the Ravens, uh, now in the in the horse and livestock business down in Florida. We're going to uh, talk to Mo when we come back and get into some of the NFL stuff and business side with him. So hang on. This is the Winter Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. We'll come back right after this. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities, your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. This is Center Court. Presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winner's Circle Network. And uh, Ralph, I'm going to let you introduce our guest. This guy's a, a football. Uh, does he think he's old enough to be a legend? I guess we'll find out. But anyway, he is he is a legendary running back in the NFL. Well, once you retire from anything, you become a legend because you can't do it. But also, I tell people all the time, even myself, we were historic. When we played, we were draft picks, high ends, but now we're only legends in our own community. So welcome, <laughs> Mr. Mo Williams. We met Mac uh, a number of years ago at a, a great event in Minnesota at Starkey Hearing Foundation. They do hearing stuff all over the world. It just hooked up, and every year we've been there since uh, for, for the last couple of years. But nice to have Mr. Mo Williams. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Mo, what was it like? to be in that league and to go from college to pro and is is there that big a difference oh yeah you 100 i mean every um every time that you made uh, a different level in your career you notice it for example on your all-star team in high school everybody was that good in college you know and your you know you made the little uh the little Division one A team or whatever the case may be, all of those guys was, you know, going first round, second round, third round, all that other type of stuff. So everybody's bigger, everybody's faster. Um, yeah, it, it was a difference in night and day. You know, when I came off of uh, uh, 
came off of making a, a nice little cut, which I thought was a cut, and <laughs> a dude about 90, uh, about 290-something pounds caught me before I got to the edge. Yeah, I, I knew that it, we, was at, we was at the real deal. We was at the dance. <laughs> it was real then when a, when a 290-pound guy catches you, huh? Oh, yeah, it was real. I, I think it was Devon Curse. Yeah. I oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was rolling, boy. He was rolling. Well, he not only catches you, he hits you full speed. So, yeah, you know, exactly. that's, that's a little, that hurts a little bit. I can only understand. I, so, I always thought football, right, you as running back, whatever, when you get hit going, how does that feel? I mean, it's got to be like in a car wreck sometimes, right? Uh, you, you know what? I used to always say that all the time. It's like every single Sunday, you uh, you put your seatbelt on and you know you're just about to get into a car wreck going about <laughs> 30 or 40 miles an hour, and that's how you're going to feel in the morning. I, I always wonder how you feel the next morning. You got to get up. You got to go to practice. You got to go to a film session, but you got to feel a little bit banged up every every week. Oh, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost like you got whiplash. It's almost like you got a migraine. <laughs> I mean, your bones hurt. And, you know, especially playing in Minnesota, we was on that turf. It's uh, cold. Many years, and it was oh man, it was it was horrible. It was just like playing a football game on uh, sandpaper and concrete. <laughs> wow, yeah, wow. It, was, it, was, it was bad for a while. Do you remember the coldest you ever were? Uh, I think one of the coldest games I've ever been in was when we went to Green Bay, and um, man, I tell you, they had the heater on on the field, and the, so it was kind of like. I don't know what they thought they was doing, but it, it wasn't it wasn't heating up anything. It was just <laughs> mud, and the mud was like ice, and it was just uh, it was it was miserable. And then the the snow and mud or whatever they was doing was on your skin, and it was yeah, it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. So growing up, but you didn't think you would play that well. I mean, football in college and high school as well. But going to Lambeau Field, what's the most prestigious arena? I know Minnesota had theirs, but is Lambeau Field the real deal? I mean, it's like a historical place to play. You look like, you know, we we want to play at Madison Square Garden and, and the Boston Garden, right? So it got to be Lambeau. It's got to be one of those fields, right, that you want to play on, but you might not want to play in the cold. A absolutely. You know what? I loved, absolutely loved playing at, uh, at Lambeau when we played them the first game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. we always played them twice. When we played them there and it was good and it was sunny, man, it, it was awesome to play. But, boy, when it was cold and 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 – snowy rainy whatever it was doing it was just freezing yeah I, it was it was bad to play there but i mean I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed the experience of it but not not playing there our guest is mo williams who spent most of his 10-year nfl career with the vikings exception of a season with the baltimore ravens in 01 and uh it had a lot of great years and and mo i know that to be in that at that level there was just so much that that you had to learn and it became professional for you. Were you able to, to kind of separate the business side and still consider it a game or is it just such a, it's still just such a business to, to be at that level? Uh, you know, I, I really didn't experience the, the business part of the game until I got in my older years. Um, you know, when I was out there my first five years, I mean, I was behind guys like, you know, Robert Smith, Ampley, um, you know, David Palmer, things like that. So I wasn't really touching much of uh, the field on the offense side of the ball. I was really just focusing on special teams and doing what I could do to to, to, to keep playing in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, once I got in my latter years and, you know, I was the leading rusher on the team and, 
you know, um, grading out the best in the in the film room and and uh, you know having no sacks, you know, next to my name and all those type <laughs> things. And, you know, I mean, basically just doing everything that you're supposed to do, and you're not getting not only are you not getting the notoriety. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I was benched in those situations because you know I had younger guys, you know, like Michael Bennett or whatever coming after the, coming off of the uh, injury or something of that nature. And um, yeah, it, it, it was tough. I mean, it was tough, but you know, I knew it was a business and that I experienced that then. I think we was, uh, I think we was six and zero. Oh. you know, I was getting a start. Michael was hurt. Um, yeah, you know, on track to rush for a thousand yards that year, all that other type of good stuff. As I remember, I mean, the numbers might say different, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know it's a ne- ne- never let, uh, the truth and uh, a good story, you know, co- coincide and, and mess up the, the good story. But anyway, it's uh, they, they they had the talk. I had the talk as my contract year. I was thinking, oh, OK, yeah, you know, this is going to be good. And they brought me in and it was like, well, we're going to sit you on the bench because we can't do that to this young guy. He's our future, blah, blah, whatever. And that happened to me about two or three times in my career to where I was thinking I was going to have the talk of you know, extending my contract, maybe getting a little bit of money or uh, whatever. And all three times they sent me on the bench because of whatever situations I was getting too expensive. Uh, it was, you know, big contract years for other guys and, mm-hmm. and whatever. So yeah, it was, it, it was tough. In that experience, like, uh, you know, down in Dallas, right. Uh, and that running back that gets hurt. I mean, I feel for him, right. Cause he was going to sign a contract. What do you think about that situation? Cause that's, it's not similar but he got hurt, right? He had a couple of good years. But what do you think about that? And what should the Dallas Cowboys do about that? Uh, you, you know, it's – I mean, I, I think when a guy – but, you know, again, I'm talking as a player. When, when a guy gives his all to you and, and does well and helps your organization, you know, because injury is is one play away. Yep. I mean, I think, the, I think obviously the honorable thing to do is to to take care of him. And at least, you know, maybe even a, a short-term deal. I, I don't even know the, the whole ins and outs about it. But, you know, I, I think you got to take care of, of, of your players and, you know, at least have him a place where he can get right and, you know, get back on the field to go somewhere else if, if that's the route that y'all go. But I think that, you know, you, you should do the right thing by him. But, there's, again, it's a business. That usually very seldom happens. Yeah, I was in that position when I played the NBA where, you know, I was rolling a little bit. I hurt my knee right before this time of year, right before the All-Star game, you know, tore my meniscus like a bucket handle tear. And then my contract was up as well. So I got back to playing. I worked hard. We had gone to the championship the year before. And then so I tried to go back again. I probably should have sit out uh, for the regular, but, you know, I came back, which was probably a mistake as well. And then um, the Rockets traded me. You know, it's like, okay, we just gonna, we're going to let you go and trade you. And now now all the trails going down the, down the spiral hill, right, because you got to recover. And you go to a really bad team, right? You go to somewhere that you don't want to go, and then you got to struggle and suffer through that as well. So I understand the Dallas Cowboys, and hopefully they do respect uh, him and also give him some type of contract or take care of him for, you know, his life because it's, uh, he put his life on the line for, for, for that. So I definitely do that. But going back and looking at that, any injuries you had in your career and anything stopped you, and then how do you, two-part question, how do you tell these young kids out here the, the, the rigors of the NFL, the rigors of football, and how to overcome that? Uh, you know, I, I finally had had beat out everybody that I needed to be out. Um, it was, again, another one of those situations I was telling you about. It was my contract year. Uh, first play of the game, um, there, there Mo William goes. Uh, down the sideline, 67 yards. 
you know, didn't cut across or should have uh, tried to outrun him, kick out, broke my foot the very same play done for the rest of the year. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just like one injury after another. I, I basically got to where it was my last contract year, my last year. You know, we was already talking about whatever blew out my knee. Um, you know, you, ju- you just got to keep going. I mean, yeah. you got to keep going into the fact that where no other teams call and, you know, and, and you feel that you have done your best to get back out there on the field. And, um, you know, you don't leave any regrets. And that's the way I, I tell everybody out there is that, you know what, play as long as you can play. Because, man, yeah. I tell you, on this side of it, man, I, I should have jumped around and skipped around and whatever and had them drag me out. <laughs> hey, hey, this, this is the real world out here, boy. Them <laughs> bills are you know <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. No doubt. It's, it's night and day from playing, right? It's night and day. No, nobody prepares it for that sport. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, I, a lot of times, too, a lot of these guys, um, they say, oh, I ain't going to play for that. I ain't going to play for that. Man, I, I tell you, they, they need to have their mama slap them across the face. Tell you the truth, because reality is, is that when you ain't gonna play for that, so to speak, and you get out on the real world, that money ain't coming. They ain't coming. You know, yeah. and even if you're a doctor, you know, you got to have a whole bunch of doctors underneath you for that type of money to be coming. So the reality is, is man, all of these egos and get these guys out of the league, man, suck it up, shut it up, get out there and make that, get out there and make that money. Question I had: You were talking about all that and the injuries and the the business side. You, you leave Kentucky, you're drafted in 96. Uh, what, what is the agent game like? Who do you like? You interview, is it a lot like Jerry Maguire? I mean, can you take, can you take us inside what it's like to select an agent and then what that relationship has to be like? Um, I'll tell you, when everything that I did throughout my whole process, even picking the college to go, well, Technically, no, because my mom wouldn't have wanted me to go uh, to University of Kentucky. She actually went there. But everything I did, I did with my mom, my sister. It was a very family-oriented um, thing, you know. So when I went and I did it with uh, ProServe in the beginning, you know, and started out there with Ethan Locke and yeah. all those guys, you know, they, they had to fly everybody out. You know, they wasn't flying out my entourage, you know, with me and a bunch of guys and a bunch of you know, homegirls and this and this and that, but it was my entourage. It was me, my my mom, and I think my sister had to work, so she didn't go that time. But, you know, I, I really made those decisions, you know, as a family for the best for me. And and I tell you, and Ethan and them was, were, were great. I mean, there was times in my life that I was going through stuff financially and a bad deal that I'd got into in uh, Coconut Grove, Florida. And, you know, they, they didn't take their money when it was due uh, during the off season. You know how you have allotments of when you're supposed to pay or whatever. And, you know, my mom called him and he was like, well, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll get it later or we won't get it later or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, so it's, it's a process that you have to, you have to want those guys to, to come and have dinner with you. Um, you know, and, and I think, I, I really do think that that's important. And what I mean, dinner at your house, when, once you get drafted, what a lot of guys don't understand is that once you get drafted, they do have a little bit of leadway as far as how much money they're going to get you, but you're going to get pretty much where you're allotted in the draft. You know, I mean, you're not going to get much. Yeah. You're not going to get much more than the guy um, behind you. And you're definitely not going to get more than the guy in front of you, usually speaking. So, you know, it's uh, you, you got to like the guy and, and appreciate him. And he's got to be have you in uh, his best interest, your best interest in, in his heart. You know, in the professional sports world, I mean, I tell guys all the time, I'll do some of the NBA forums and this, that, and the other. 
But, you know, preparing us for sports, we do it every day on the football field at college and, and high school, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't prepare us for life in that, in that, in that area, right? And the life challenges, as you mentioned before, it's the real world out here. Nine to five ain't no joke. And I always tell people a job means just over broke. So you, you, you can't you can't make it on you can't make it on that out here in the real world. So you got to figure out a reserve. So what I always ask people, what did you learn during the process? Because and I learned, you know, you got to pay taxes in every state. I mean, I'm right. still getting the bill from Louisiana. I mean, the plant, you know, plant that for like 120. I was like, I'm not paying that because you're talking about 20 years ago or something like that or more. So <laughs> what tool did you, I mean, you know, in business world, right, you learned, learned the hard way right. about what you don't know, right? So what did you learn? What did you take away from the career? And now looking back, what things should uh, somebody teach young kids that's coming up in the profession, right? What should they teach these kids? And they're not getting taught. I, I, I know it's hard because, you know, everybody wants to, to be balling and, and flossing and whatever, but, you know, they, they, they need to stop buying all of these things that depreciate as soon as they like cars, when you drive them off the lot. I mean, they depreciate. That's, that's like one of the worst investments. Get you a nice car to go you from, you know, from point A to point B. I was very lucky. My mentor, um, you know, Love him to death. I mean, I had a lot of them. I don't, we don't really have time to name them all. But, uh, you know, they, they, they taught me to live on a budget. So, you know, I, I had my, my Mercury Mountaineer for my first five years in the NFL. Um, they guys was clowning on me. I didn't care. You know? yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Yo, man, you need to upgrade. I'm like, why? It's still run. You know what I mean? So, um, and then that, man, I, I lived on a thousand dollar fun budget, you know, with the, regardless of whatever money I was making, every single, uh, you know, paycheck. I did that. So it was technically about 2000 because we got paid every two weeks. But, you know, I lived on the $2,000 a month budget to go and have fun and blow it and do whatever. But that was because I had my mentors in my ear telling me, um, you know, those things. You know, some of these guys blow 10, 15, 20. I mean, I've seen it up here in yep, Miami. Yep. 15, yep. 20, 30, $40,000 a night. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you're one injury away. You know, the reality is not what they're teaching these guys. Spend forty and fifty and sixty thousand um, a night out partying is just—it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they—they they really, but you know, it's guys just don't know what they don't know. You know? Right? Yeah, and they've been doing that. I mean, they don't know. They don't know you're right. And when they start to know it after the fact, we had a guy on one of the, our shows named Perry Teller. He said he had the best cars, he had the best clothes, played in the league for ten years in the NFL with Buffalo. And 30 or 60 days outside of the, his career, he didn't have no money. You know, he was broke. So the story was amazing. We had it on here. I mean, it was heartfelt. I mean, Mac can, can allude to that as well. But I see no stories like every day. But I, I get it. And it's hard to understand that because they don't teach these kids what they need to know. Right. And, you know, and that's, that's one of the reasons, why, too. I mean, I, I talked to you about it before. You know, me, my mom, my sister. My mom is a current, retired colonel in the military. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm on a quest now with, with the new business that we're get, getting off the ground, not quite yet. But, you know, it teaches people about some of the things that I've learned about taxes even, you know, and just passing it forward and trying to help people. And, you know, how when you own a small home-based business like, you know, Donald Trump to bring his name up or whatever, you know, you don't pay taxes on those type things. And those, right. and I also took a tax class to help, you know, the people and members and stuff that get involved with my company. And, um, you know, those are all legal. So yeah. everybody was, you know, it's like everybody's yelling and, and being, and trust me, I'm not a Trump anyway, but I'm, I'm right. just saying as far as the tax aspect of it, 
is that those are laws that are for small businesses. So if you can take advantage of them, then, you know, that's, that's what you should do. Our guest is Mo Williams, who was with the Vikings, entered the NFL draft in 1996. And, and Mo, that kind of goes back full circle and just listening to you and Ralph talk about and the stuff you were trying to learn. Should the agents then kind of be educators in that regard? Did your agent help you and to, to learn those kind of things? And should the agents be, be teaching the players those kind of things? Um, you know, it's, it's hard because when you have an agent that really cares about somebody as mine did, but you know, you're, you're, you're telling a guy don't do this, but yet you work for that guy, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of hard with me. Like I said, I had my mentors to give you an example, a little quick story. You know, I was really, really upset because my mom, everybody in the family had an emergency about to lose a house. <laughs> I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't even know my family had so many houses, <laughs> you know? I, of course, sending money, this, this, and that, whatever. Half of the money that I sent to my mom was going out, and my mom just got a big heart. But, you know, I've been, so there, I, been there, done that one, bro. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, been there, done but my, my mentor told me, he said, Mo, he said, this is what you do. He said, I want you to think about this logically. Your mother went to the University of Kentucky on straight A's and B's. She got out. She's been working for 10, 15 years. He, he said, in one swift sign of a pen, you made more than your mother made in 10 years. And she's got a college degree. She went to college for eight years. She's a registered nurse, this, this, and that. He said, now, now you uh, make the team, so you get your first year's pay. It's another 10 years of what she's, you know, hasn't made, you know what I mean, or has made or whatever. He's like, so understand, in one year, you have made more than your mom has made in about 15 or 20 years. He's like, so all I want you to do is this is the type of mentors I had. I want you to sit down, shut up. And you give your mom an X amount of money per month <laughs> and she can do whatever she wants to with it. If she wants to give it away, that's fine. And you know what? That was one of the best things I did because all of those people losing those houses and needed this bill to pay when I gave mama her money as her money. Oh, she stopped loaning it out. Then. Big time. I, I did the same thing. Stop with the quickness. So you ain't getting no more. It, 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 it stopped. It stopped right away. <laughs> After one or two houses, you're going to renovate and save from a mortgage. Like, okay, that's $20,000, $30,000. Okay, you can't keep doing that every month. So no, I, 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 did, did, I did the same thing. Yep. She did it with the quickness. Yep, that was, that was it. So I, I, it, it, it never had any more problems with that. We've got one of the, I think a guy could do his own show. He probably has several shows. Mo Williams is with us, former running back with the Vikings and spent a year with the Ravens. And uh, Mo, I know you're, you're playing the horse game, right? You, you've got a, a farm in Florida. Um, you're in the horse racing business, right? Are you raising horses? Yes, sir. I am. I'm a licensed yeah. thoroughbred horse trainer. I've been, uh, you know, I took a little time off uh, because I also actually went and worked at the NFL Alumni Academy in Canton, Ohio, helping giving back, you know, helping uh, NFL running backs get back into the league. So I did that for like 14 weeks. Uh, but yeah, I'm a licensed thoroughbred horse trainer. I, I actually just bought one at the uh, the past Kingland sale, the Wingland sale. Uh, yep, for about 15, about 15 grand. I have a stock broker that does all of that or, or blood stock broker. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I bought one for 15 grand and still haven't even seen the horse yet. <laughs> <laughs> Is it pretty competitive? Uh, yeah, you know, I like to try to get as much for my money. So I bought a, um, uh, your freshman sire. That's where it's from. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely competitive because it, it, it brought a little bit more for a unproven sire than it normally does as far as what I would normally be paying for anyway. <laughs> so it's crazy. So I'm getting recruited by your alma mater, Kentucky. Okay. Okay, and 
I go visit in the in the in the in the Wildcat Lodge okay. on campus, and when they all had separate rooms and eight foot beds and stereo system, whatever, so you know, we're very strict. They take me out to one of those Kingland farms and said, "This is going to be your summer job. Okay. You're going to turn the water sprinklers on for a while, and you will come back a couple hours later to turn the water sprinklers off. That's your summer job." But you're on this horse racing farm, and like the most beautiful thing you ever want to see. I'm sure you've been to a few of them. So, so with me, they had already already uh, signed Sam Boy and the crew, right? And yeah. so that was your summer job. And I'm like, that's all I got to do, <laughs> you know, Kentucky. So I'm sure I'm sure your Kentucky roots kind of geared you for some of that horse racing stuff you're doing right now. Is that correct? That 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 is 100 correct because you know all all of my friends that um you know growing up if they're if they were farmers or whatever, they had horses. Mr. Sampson, don't, don't talk about what they were going to pay you to turn on that. <laughs> hey, don't be getting my money in trouble now. Hey, but, <laughs> I, I, I mean, everybody got some job, man. Virginia, we, our summer job was to sell calendars. So, but Kentucky was just to mess with the horses. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But yeah, you got you got paid a lot to turn on those sprinklers. Trust me. You got paid a little bit. You got paid a little bit. You got paid a little bit. And, and I, I look back. I mean, I love my UVA, whatever. But Kentucky, it would have been seven. High school All Americans on the basketball team, wow. seven of us. So we did. We had, I'm sure, really a good dominate dominant team. But it was kind of crazy. But uh, the coach uh, Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. He he was my uh, my coach that recruited me very hard. And we went there. Whatever. We still have a relationship with that. We talk about our Kentucky days like every time we see each other. So I understand your Kentucky roots. Oh yeah, yes sir. It's it's. Uh, hey, you know what? I really can't hardly understand how they're so passionate about the sports there. I mean, now, now I can say that because, you know, we're doing pretty good, but man, it may be cold. And man, I tell you, fans will be out there and supportive and. Oh, they don't. Yeah. They, 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 they take care of you. They take care they, of you. They, I mean, the, the arena was so high up in the air, 23,000 people on the college campus for their the Wildcat Arena. And I went to the top of it when I got recruited. Like, look, I can't get to the top because I'm looking like I'm going to fall over. I don't know how those fans sit up there to watch a basketball game like a mile up in the air. It's kind of crazy, but they are very passionate. And I tell people all the time, it's, 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 not a, it's not amazing, but it's just unrealistic that Kentucky, they got a great program. But their fans will go to every game. I don't care where they are. Oh yeah. Why? Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll just pack up and go to the game, and that's just what they do. And they average fans. They love their basketball team and football team. Yep. And, and you know what? And honestly, that's one of the reasons why we won a bowl this year in uh, football because of our fan support. I mean, we played a team that had won eight games. I think we won three or four. I mean, we beat them in the bowl. You know, go SEC, Ira. But uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. But honestly, I I one hundred percent. Guarantee you that played a big, huge part in it. That they know, even with us men winning only three or four games, that our our fans was going to be supportive. And sure enough, it was a sea of blue that was there. Our guest is Mo Williams, former NFL running back, and with Super Fifty Five in Tampa. Mo, are you surprised at uh, at what Tom Brady has done <laughs> in his career? No, I mean you, you, you got to look at his numbers. I mean it's 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 amazing. And actually, um, I find myself this year rooting for. Uh, Tom Brady, just because yeah. of the fact that, you know what, I like the fact that it's 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 about the players, you know, and when you have front office stuff going on, and again, and I don't know what was going on there. I mean, it could be just as much Brady's fault. I, I don't know the ins and outs of that. But what I'm saying is, is that when you have front office stuff that <clears throat> breaks up a dynasty mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, uh, be it egos, be it 
whatever the case may be, you know, I, I, I always got to side with the, with the players and, and hope best for the players when they leave. And, you know, I, I take my hats off to Tom Brady and I, and I, I hope that he can, he can get it done on, on Sunday. Yeah, but you, 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 I mean, looking at almost a living legend, I was so happy because of the way it ended in New England that he he comes back now, right? The, you know, how the season started was a little bit rough, trying to figure it out. But it's amazing how he now has ended up in the Super Bowl with 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 Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, right? Yep. That, so let me bring my guys with me. Yep. That he had that power to do that, right? For that team, let me bring my guys with me so I can I can win a Super Bowl. And he's yeah. winding up in the Super Bowl. So that tells you how strong he is, uh, Merrily. And I was watching the show earlier. He said, this is the first time in my career I had 12 days to prepare by myself because with the pandemic and his family not being at home, he said, I've been 12 days preparing for this game. And I'm going to be ready to play. So you give Tom Brady that much time to prepare and watch video, it, it's going to be – who knows what's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I really am rooting for him. I, I hope that he uh... – you know, a lot, a lot of people hate, but you know what? It's it, it to be great is is to be great, and and he puts in the time to be great. So yeah, that's absolutely. one thing that you know I I, I respect that uh, as a player from him. I don't care what nobody says. I mean, I've I've known guys. Matter matter of fact, Wes Welker that played with yep. Tom is is in the horse business. We've talked about how when you're supposed to break at five, you break at five. If you break at five and three inches, Tom Brady's yelling at you. Right. You know what I mean? Because the ball is coming. Right. So that's um, with that type of respect that they have for the guys and and how he prepares and you know it's just if it's okay, it's not good enough. He does it over and over and over and again. And I'm only talking about what Wes has said about about him when we was up. You know, the little short conversations we've had when we was um, you know dealing at the horse racing up there at Gulfstream. So yeah, I mean that's awesome. I I, I hope he wins. I hope he wins too. So I was watching New England and their quarterback this year, and then you watch Tom Brady and what he does. Do any quarterbacks will go over there and high-five people and sit in the, in the side with the hat on and lounge, whatever, and not look at the the, the iPad or whatever. Tom's going to put his head in, look at the iPad, see what's next, studying the game in between the downs. I mean, you, you can see the difference in how he prepares. I mean, he wasn't a top draft pick either. You can see the difference how he's prepared himself, and he still prepares himself the same way 20 years later. It's kind of crazy to watch, right? Yeah, it, it is. And it's – you know what? And I – I hope that that that, that teams can kind of take away from 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 what he's doing and what he has done because, you know, a lot of times these younger guys come in and, and they don't care, you know. I mean, they're they're just they're faster than everybody, this, this, and that. But you know, when they start to to slow down or when they get to somebody's just as fast, you know, they're not going to study that extra cut that they need to make because this guy's leaning this way or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I, I think honestly, what Tom Brady is doing with you know, the way that he studies and the way that he takes the game is it, it should be looked at by other teams that sometimes, you know, the just flat out raw talent ain't what always wins games, you know, and, and they put so much emphasis on the, the 40 time and how many, how high you can jump and whatever, when, you know, it's just sometimes guys just win because they study, you know, and they need to start looking at all assets of the game and looking at the guys that won it out there on the field based on their production and whatever. And, and just just stop making excuses for guys. Uh, I believe that's for sure. You're right because that's uh, there's a model there, right? So maybe we'll get that respect now because it goes to another team that hadn't been a Super Bowl in so long or playing the playoffs even for so long, and from a dynasty winning and then go there when it's just it's an amazing ride for me to watch. So I, I agree with all you're saying. I, I mean, I, I like Mahone and, the, and young, young Gun, and he I think he's really good. 
and NBC, you know, I, I hope Tom Brady doesn't retire for this, but if he, if he wins, he probably will. He can go all the way to the winner, but uh, he's so good still at what he does. A master at the game, so I don't, I don't, I, I, give me one more year of that. I, I take it all day long. Oh, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? And it's just, and again, not saying anything negative about Mahomes. I mean, if 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 they win, you know what? They they have an awesome team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. So I mean, that's that's that's. But I am just personally rooting for Brady for her own personal reasons of uh, you know, the me being through my NFL and guys just, well, you know, when guys get older, they don't give you the shot, you know, and, right. and Tom Brady to be at his age and, and doing what he's doing and making and making and taking a team to a Super Bowl is, you know what? I'm rooting for the old guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to ask you who you group for. We don't have to worry about asking that question, man, because we already know. Yeah. It's already laid out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Always it. root for the that's old guys. It. Mo, last that's question it. before we let you go. is So can you compare uh, coaching <clears> – <throat> in the NFL to coaching a thoroughbred racehorse? Is there some comparison there? Have you taken some coaching tips to, to try to get the horse to win? Yeah. Well, you know what? I honestly, you, I, I think you can because, because of the fact that when you talk to these young men nowadays, it's like talking to a horse. They act like they don't want to <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't looking you know, for that I, answer, but that answer is terrific. I was. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And, and it is the very truthful answer because, honestly, I, I tell you, I look at film, and that's how I was trying to deal deal with my um, my drills and stuff because these guys, man, you can't tell them nothing. So you just implement the drills to make them do what you're trying to get them to do without actually telling them. Done <laughs> <laughs> no, the same thing with a horse. You got to take him a little bit longer if you want him to go to distance. You know, if you want to work on speed, you need to, you know, get behind him, get him out of the gate good, you know, because it's going to be a short race. So absolutely, same way. Awesome stuff. Please tell me yeah. horses are good listeners. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You got to whip one. You got to whip a little bit. Guys can't whip this stuff. That's it. Mo, thank you so much for being a part and uh, and sharing, you know, the Super Bowl week and weekend with us. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on a on a wonderful career. How many how many wins have you had in the last couple of years with your horses? Um, you know, actually, I stopped for a while because I was doing, you know, the, all the traveling and coaching uh-huh. and stuff like that. But uh, actually, I don't even know. You know, I um, I've I don't don't get me lying, but yeah, I've, I've had a few. You know, there there for a while when I was going to the track. If I got a fourth place, basically, uh, I, I wasn't happy. There for a while before I stopped training, I was hitting the board first, second, third. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was really figuring it out. That's so, great, good stuff. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about the horse world after for sure, and the cow world as well. I'm getting in that business as well, so I'm sure you can give me a little bit of advice because I told the guy I had so like. I want to have some, but I don't want them to have babies. I don't want to be out there at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and, and be able to handle that, but I know it's going to be coming sooner or later. No, no, no. You know what? They, they call those uh, day cowboys. You, you don't do that. You, you, you pick up the phone and you say, hey, I think I need some help with these cows, and then you hang up the phone, and that's it. They're coming. There you go. Well, I, I, I can do that. I can pick up the phone for sure. Mo Williams, the great Mo Williams, running back in the NFL for 10 years and Vikings and the Ravens. Mo, thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, appreciate it. It was awesome. I had a great time. I appreciate it. More of Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winner Circle Network when we come back. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. 
So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back. Final segment of Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winner's Circle Network. And by the way, remember, for more content and information on Center Court, you can follow us on at Center Court Podcast 50 and at Ralph Sampson 50 on all social media uh, platforms. A lot of people, and especially the radio guys and the people, they, they make lists and they try to decide greatest ever, five best. It's like doing movies or, you know, athletes or whatever. And when you talk, uh, you know, football players, there is probably no doubt and probably no argument that Brady, definitely top five, probably top three, and his numbers back it up. Would you say he is the GOAT and greatest of all time, in your opinion? Well, there's always a dispute with everybody in the sports world to say who's the best ever football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport mm-hmm. you go from Gretzky to Babe Ruth to Henry Aaron to Michael Jordan to Bill Russell, who's the best ever? And how do you become the best ever? How do you become the GOAT, right? Mm-hmm. So Brady, look at Brady's career. Is it, was it better than Montana's drive? We talked about it earlier. And he had Montana stats. Is it, is it Super Bowl, the Super Bowl wins? What is it that makes somebody the best ever? So Brady is in that category as, I think, one of the best ever that played the game of football at the quarterback position. You look at that, how that equates to basketball. To me, Brady, Bill Russell, 11 championships, one as a coach, et cetera, et cetera, championships. Michael Jordan, okay, great, in the era he played in, but he's not a Bill Russell. LeBron in that championship, he's not a Bill Russell or maybe a Michael Jordan with championships. So how do you equate the best ever? I think everybody is in a bucket, in a category. So the best physique, i.e. like a LeBron James, was Will Chamberlain. Seven foot one, could high jump seven feet, could run like a deer or whatever. There's pictures of him all over. So he was the best fit. Will or, or, or Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, that would have been a battle extraordinary if they played against each other as well. So people don't remember all the best efforts. You go from Elgin Baylor, that was really, really good on the court, to a Julius Irving, to a Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. So it, it evolved over the years. And you can throw a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in there because he wasn't too bad either with the Scott Hook. Right, so for right. me, Brady and, and, and Bill Russell are in the same boat. You know, they're in the same boat as the GOATs in football, uh, as the best ever. I know it sticks in your craw, but Ralph, do you, have you ever lost sleep saying, I never won an ACC title, I never won a national title, because there was so much pressure on you to do that? And I've never asked you that question, but I mean, do you still, you know, when you're alone or watching games or whatever, do you still go, God, we should have beaten State. We should have you know, Oh yeah. The yeah. Carolina slowdown game. I mean, you know, does it still kind of stick in your craw that you, that there was no ACC title and no national title? 
You know, I've really, over the years, I mean, when I first got out of school, I thought about it a little bit more than I do now. Right now, I don't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we had Derek Wittenberg, because there is a reason for everything that happened in, happens in life. Right. Think about NC State winning that championship and an after title. If they didn't beat us, they wouldn't have won. Right. And then when they did their 30 for 30, I mean, I probably was in that thing so many times, I probably got tired of being on it, right, from that perspective. So it is what it is. And I look back at that. So, so many things happened in career-wise that, that, that were special to me. Even losing at Chaminade, what happened to that to create the Maori Classic? Yeah. Now, 30, 40 years later, that classic still exists. Yeah. From that standpoint, too, you know, went in against the Lakers, playing against the Celtics. A magic Jonathan would say, well, you made us mad, so we went back-to-back. So there's always something that happens for a reason. So I look at my career as, as that, but I think the things I look at it now, more than I've done ever in my life, is, you know, I probably was pretty good when I played, and I was probably before my time. And I would love to play today's game because it's been crazy, and the money is crazy good. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I want to be able now at this stage of my life is to give those younger guys – the the old school tooting tooting that I had right to be the best they can be because sometimes they're out there just playing running around oh you old school guy you don't know what you're talking about but I listen to the the Julius Irvin I listen to the Elgin Baylor I listen to the Will Chambers I listen to the Bill Russells when I was in college mm-hmm. to understand how to be a pro so I think these guys today need to understand how to be a pro on off the court but it's so far removed from my career and the era because there was social media travel everything's totally different. And the game is the same when it comes to defense and offense, but the guys today think it's totally different in their world. And I respect them all because they play at a high level, and that's what they should do. All that you're doing and giving back and with the foundation and, and you know, coaching up a mess and that and everything, you're, you, you're an All-American for life. So you can't – nobody can take that away from you. So. Yeah, the, the trophy's in the cabinet of my mom. So when I get that <laughs> lifetime trophy, to be in the cabinet with the rest. It's good. All right. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. And that's Center Court for this weekend. Brought to you by the Sampson Family Foundation on the Winter Circle Network. And you can follow us. You can find us on social media at Ralph Sampson 50 at Center Court Podcast 50. Ralph, have a great couple of days. I'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.